0: This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing, interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Cascavalsian All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Cascavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And uh, boy, have I got a great guest with me today. I have Mr. Rick Wiest from Thompson Creek on with me today. Rick, thank you so much for being here.
1: Well, it's good to be here, Brian.
0: Awesome. So before we get, oh, actually, before we get started here, I want to tell everybody, if you have not done so already, go to thewealthycontractor.com wealthy wealthycontractor.com. there is a bunch of stuff there a bunch of resources there for you on uh, growing your business and making more money and selling more jobs so go over there put in your information not right now listen to this first then go and do it so Rick <laughs> um, Wow so uh, you know we ran into each other well we've read this year we've actually run into each other quite a few times you you came to our accelerate event back in February and um, you and I actually had a chance to have a, a pretty long discussion I think it was in Orlando a couple months ago and I b- really learned more about your story and was just absolutely blown away by your story and had to share it had to share it with everybody listening so Let's let's do something a little unconventional here, Rick. Let's start with the very end. Let's start with tell us about Thompson Creek today.
1: Well, so today Thompson Creek is uh, we're a home improvement company, specialty contractor that specializes in replacement windows, entry doors, siding, gutter protection, and roofing in the Mid Atlantic region. Uh, What makes us unique is that we are vertically integrated. Uh, We've got our own manufacturing plant, so we make all the vinyl windows and doors that we sell to our customers, and um, uh, that's the unique selling proposition. That's how we were, really how we got into the business. I guess we'll touch on that a little bit later. Yeah. So today, Thompson Creek employs about uh, 470-some people, and uh, we'll do, mm, in the neighborhood of $76 million this year. Awesome. Wow. Big growth. And
0: uh, you are in the uh, top 20 um, largest home improvement companies in the country.
1: Well, yeah, that's what they tell us. That's Um, what they tell you. (laughs) You know, we bounced around in those, uh, um, you know, in that in that top echelon for uh, for quite some time. And one of the things I think that's uh, kind of cool is that we've done the majority of that out of a single location. So Mostly out of our Washington D.C. location, but today, um, or just last year, we opened up Richmond and Virginia Beach as uh, expansion markets, and we're looking to continue that. Uh, oh, that's that interesting. So, up until very recently, all
0: of that was done out of one location.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, we kept thinking: as soon as we saturate the market, we'll uh, we'll have to spread our wings and uh, expand geography. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I and mean, one it's, thing wow, led to another, So we just kept taking market share. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah.
0: How many salespeople do you have?
1: Well, it's, uh, you know, in our business, it moves around a little bit, but around 60 right now. About 60. Awesome. All right. Yes.
0: So, so I wanted to start with, um, I, you know, we were talking about this earlier. I wanted to start with where you are today. And now let's go, let's go all the way back to where, you know, our conversation. <laughs> Um, kind of quickly went a few weeks ago. And that was back to, I believe you said sometime around 2001.
1: Well, that's, that was an important uh, time in our company history. There was a, there was a pretty uh, significant inflection point uh, where we changed our m- focus for the business, our, uh, uh, the, the way that we went to market. And um, you know, that, that's when that happened. But really, our business, we're proud to say, uh, we're in our 39th year. We're looking forward to celebrating our 40th. Uh, anniversary next year in 2020. We started the business in 1980. And in fact, it was a family business. So I'm um, the second generation. My uh, my parents started the business.
0: Yeah, um, congratulations. That's that's amazing. 40 years. Now, but the first 20 years of the business mm-hmm. was a little bit different than what it is today.
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned it before, we. Uh, We're a manufacturer, so we're vertically integrated, but that's actually how we got started. We were a uh, vinyl window manufacturing company, and the marketing focus was business to business. So when we started building vinyl windows in 1980, it was a reaction to the energy crisis of the 70s. Uh, The the conversation about energy efficiency and energy savings uh, really took root uh, as a result of the high cost of energy, as a result of that oil embargo that uh, you have to be old enough uh, to remember. But um, that's where the business started. And we would sell to home improvement contractors, to building supply companies, lumber yards. Yeah, you know, that was the channel that uh, we went to market through for the first 20 years of the business.
0: Yeah. And so right around that, I guess, 2000, 2001, you, you got involved in, in the business. Because obviously when the business started, you were just, you were <laughs> a little kid. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was 13 when we moved to, uh, yeah, to Maryland to start the business.
0: Yeah. So, um, when, uh, I, I, so when you got involved, what year did you get involved in the business?
1: Well, you know, it's a family business. So anybody that's been a part of one yeah, of those understands involved. that <laughs> <laughs> when I was 13, my first job was sweeping the floors in the window factory. And in fact, my family moved us from uh, New York down to Maryland to start the business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we lived above the window factory in a little apartment. Uh, because we needed to save some money. So, uh, you know, when I say I grew up in the business, that's... uh <laughs> you literally grew up <laughs> in the business. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I worked in the business um, through high school, learning to build windows and then to install. And when I got my driver's license, I became the serviceman and the a uh, uh, window installer. So I learned all aspects of the business. Then I went off to college and I got my uh, my degree and I came back into the family business and I moved into the sales role so i was uh I was involved in the business, and that was uh, uh in nineteen ninety is when I really came into the business but uh my father and mom were still active in the business back then, and uh they they liked the direction and the freedom of uh being a supplier to the industry rather than um, a home improvement company and It wasn't until two thousand that I took over the business I bought my father out and um that's kind of when we, we made the the change. Now to
0: give everybody just a little bit of perspective, when you bought the business in 2000, what was your annual sales volume at the time?
1: Well, through the through the whole 90s, we were we'd hover around 900,000, maybe a million one a year in revenue. Okay. We were making 10,000 windows a year perhaps. Okay. So what I found, what
0: absolutely blew me away by that is, you know, look, a million bucks a year, 900 million bucks a year, that's, you know, it's a nice little business. But when you got into the business, it wasn't anything even remotely close, even remotely similar to what you've done with that business in a, you know, in a pretty short amount of time. I would say, you know, you know, maybe 12 years, 13 years, you really grew a pretty substantial business. And so if we go back to those times, if we go back to the early 2000s, you've taken over the business and now you've decided, well, I'm going to uh, start moving into the retail side of the business. Um, how did you first kind of approach that? Were you out in the field as a salesperson Um, Did you bring on salespeople at first? How did you kind of make that
1: move? Yeah, that was uh, there. There was a lot of um, uh, there was an idea and a belief that um, if we took our product directly to the homeowner, uh, that they would see the value in that. But I didn't come out of the sales and marketing world. uh, Certainly not the home improvement sales and marketing world. So uh, I didn't quite know. What I was getting myself into, to be quite honest with you, Brian, <laughs> uh, what I knew was that we were making vinyl windows and selling them to home improvement contractors, and they were reselling them, and it was quite frequent that I would get a phone call from somebody that had purchased our windows through one of these contractors, and they couldn't track them down. They couldn't find them, you know, the stories, uh, you know, it's the typical oh, yeah. uh, home Chucking a truck story where uh, they get overextended and next thing they go dark on people and the job's not done. And we were getting the calls and I said, you know, there, there's going to be value here. Uh, we can, we can provide a better story to the customer, more value to them by eliminate the middleman and taking a product directly to them. Now going from the idea to the execution, uh, a whole different animal. So, and the reality of how we had to make that switch was I knew that, home improvement contractors weren't going to keep buying from me if I was selling direct to the customer. So we sent letters to our contractors and our uh, customers in the, in that day. And we said, you know, we're going to be making a change in our marketing strategy and we're not going to be supplying into the trade anymore. And so we gave them a period of time to go find other supply. But in essence, we fired all of our customers and started fresh. Wow. So that was, um, yeah, that was a little, um, well, you know yeah. i got the adrenaline going a little bit. you can imagine right. <laughs> uh, so it was quite a it was quite a leap, but you know I just believed in the in the idea and the approach, so we had to totally rebrand the company back then. Our company was called Midlantic Corporation as we were a business to business company, and it didn't feel like that had the um the tone and the color and the feel and the um, the image that I wanted for a consumer facing brand so we went round and round with different uh, concepts and names and and ideas. And uh, our business, we had happened to have uh, bought a building on Thompson Creek Road on the Thompson Creek on the Eastern Shore of Maryland. It was a really placid and tranquil place to work. You could hear the geese flying over in the uh, uh, in the change of the seasons from uh, from my office, and it just it had the right feel to me. So we landed on that as our name. And I was really glad that we did. It worked out quite well for us, Uh, but we created a logo and an image and I took out a dollar bill sized ad in the phone book and started running leads. Now to answer your question about then, how do we scale that? um, I, one of the first hires that I made in the new company was a person that had been a, a contractor customer of mine who had gotten sort of, uh, fed up with running the business and dealing with all the back-end issues, the installation end issues, the customer issues. And he was a very good communicator and a good salesperson, and he was a, a friend. And a, he had, it just so happened that around the same time I was planning on uh, launching this rebrand of our company, he came to me and said, you know, I'm getting ready to hang it up. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I So why don't you come on board with me? You can handle the, uh, the sales side of things. I'll generate the leads and handle all the installation and the manufacturing and everything else that comes along with it. So it started with one salesperson that uh, knew the business and myself, we were out running the leads, uh, setting the appointments and uh, trying to figure out what sales and marketing was really all about in our space.
0: That's interesting. You say, you say you were trying to figure out sales and marketing. You weren't trying to figure out the product. You were trying to figure out how do we make leads and and sell and get customers. Wait, exactly at yeah. the right
1: cost, of course.
0: Right at the right cost, but
1: also how to run the business, how to how to price effectively to uh, to 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 run a healthy business. Um, you know, even even that we we didn't have our price model set up. Uh, optimally to start, we didn't have uh, we didn't have a lot of things in place that we should have a lot of the structure that most people have, and I was blessed and fortunate um to get connected with a lot of people that uh, had more experience in that space than I did, and um you know I I went on a on a quest for for knowledge and uh, um, visited every place that would let me in, Um, uh, went to all the sales uh, training and consulting and, um, you know, the seminar circuit, uh, uh, events like the one that you just held a few months ago, uh, yep. those kinds of things. I would go to everything that I could and talk to anybody that would talk to me and just started learning. And, and my, my, um, universe of possibilities really began to expand at that point.
0: So, uh, so it's really interesting is, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot here, and I, I didn't make this saying up, but, success leaves clues and as you know one of the one of the reasons for this podcast is for the listener whoever they might be at whatever stage they might be in their business wealthy or they want to be wealthy or they want to be wealthier is to look for you know what are what are the takeaways what are the things that the the people in this business that are successful that are making money that are selling jobs that are building companies that are building real wealth what are the things that they're doing and for everybody that's listening i hope you just heard uh uh what rick uh said here he went out looking for answers he didn't sit in his office or he didn't get you know um uh, bogged down with trying to figure everything out himself he went out and he looked for answers got educated and really focused on and I'll bring this up again, because it's really interesting. The distinction between the most successful uh, let's just say home improvement companies, it's really for any company, but the, the 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 real distinction between the successful company and the struggling company is the successful ones understand that they're sales and marketing companies. You know we're not yeah, technically, we might be contractors, but we're really sales and marketing. We just happen to sell. In Rick's case, he sells windows and doors, and you know. In your case, fill in the blank. What is it that you sell? So, how long did you go like that with the you and 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 the one sales guy? About how long did that last?
1: Well, uh, less than a year before we began to to bring on others, and uh, but it was it, you know it was just a, I, I, in many ways I I. The analogy I use is I was like um, Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz. I all of a sudden found myself in this (laughs) this unfamiliar uh, world and started heading down this path, uh, my my own yellow brick road. And along the way, I started picking up uh, allies that were going to come into our business and help us. And this first salesperson was one. And then uh, we uh, decided we were going to try a home show one time. We'd never done home shows before. Uh, and I didn't know what that was about. I'm, I'm, I'm there taking out ads in the phone book, which was, uh, probably every seminar I would have gone to would have said, that's the last thing you should be doing. Uh, you know, in terms of lead efficiency back in, in, uh, the year 2001. Uh, so, but uh, you know, uh, we went to a home show and I met a, uh, another window salesman that was in the booth across from me selling windows with the big sticker on the front that said $189 each. Uh, but we kind of struck up a, a conversation I got, you know, uh, there are no competitors where I stand. Um, you know, they're just resources and opportunities. So, uh, you know, a couple months later, I hired him. And I was, so I was hiring people that I thought really knew the business, knew, um, knew Windows, knew the, how to measure, knew everything about Windows. Because I didn't, at that time, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a 10-step selling system. You know, the idea that, that, that I could uh, hire, train, and scale um, salespeople in two or three weeks and have them out there being successful and, uh, and producing value for the business and themselves I I didn't know this. It, it, you know, just wasn't part of the, 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 world that I had come from. I learned it. And when I learned it, it was, it was dynamic and, and, um, totally, um, shifting of the, the, the whole landscape for us. And it really allowed us to scale, but that was just one of the learnings that I had along the way, um, to answer your question, we went from about, uh, I think we did about 2 million in sales the, the first year, uh, about three and a quarter the next year. And then it just took off. We went to, uh, about six, uh, 10, 12, 18, 24 million. I mean, it was, it, it was pretty rapid and, uh, uh, dynamic growth in those early years. And it was just from learning, learning, learning how to sell, learning how to generate leads, learning how to create structure around our selling system and our marketing systems. You know, there was a time when we laugh about it. Now, um, some of the guys that were with me back then that are, we still talk about, uh, the old scheduling book that we had when we started out, we, it didn't occur to us to, uh, Issue leads at ten, two, and six every day, right, so we had this scheduling book, and the phone would <laughs> ring, and somebody'd pick it up and start you know the hand over the receiver there going who 's got the book i got a lead who's got the book and we 'd have to get the book and it was one of those just uh, date and time books with each of our salespeople along the top of it, and uh, we'd just write in uh, at whatever time a customer wanted to see us seven forty five uh, tomorrow morning great we'll be there uh you know at, at 4.15, no problem. Um, you know, and it was, it was later on that we learned that those were impediments to scale, but it was how we, you know, how we did business in the early days.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Rick, what gave you, in those early days, what gave you, what gave you confidence? Let's stop here and take a quick break. Do you want a steady stream of referrals coming into your business? Do you want a system that gets your customers to come back to you to buy more of your products and services? How about more 5-star reviews on the sites that matter like Google, Facebook, and Better Business Bureau? Of course you do. G4 Marketing Group has been doing all of that for home improvement companies just like yours since 2009. Want to see if we can do the same for you? Just go to www.g4marketing.com and schedule a free Wealthy Contractor Strategy Session. That's wwwg marketingcom Now
1: let's get back to this episode. You know, uh, my whole life, I think... Um, that question of confidence is, was uh, one that I, 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 think about and I consider. And what I realized is that I draw confidence from successes of the past. And sometimes they're not directly related to the, to the thing that I'm trying to achieve now, but I find similarities in there. It was some obstacle that I overcame before that was hard. And it sort of gave me the confidence to try something else that was difficult knowing that, you know, I, I, I can do it. You know, I've done it before. This isn't, you know, insurmountable. And I I don't, I guess that's, that's the best answer that I come up with Brian is that, um, you know, if you have a good plan or you think your plan's solid and you believe in the concept. And that's the other thing that I I really believed in the value of what we were doing. I believed that by manufacturing, by installing, by eliminating the middleman and taking the value um, directly to the customer, that that would be important to them and that it would be worth something to that, to that prospect and that we could do a better job than the alternatives out there. And that belief, um, along with the passion to want to, you know, want to grow that business, I think is the, is the magic formula.
0: Yeah. I, 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 like that. You know, the value is, it's such an interesting conversation because, you know for everybody the value is going to be something a little bit different so you know for mm-hmm. those of you listening you don't have to manufacture your own window and be direct to consumer to provide an enormous amount of value to your your customer right i mean you've got to figure out what that value is for you in in your business
1: absolutely
0: how how important are You've mentioned the word "system" a few times, and I know that I mean look you're not going to get anywhere near where you've gotten without systems, but you didn't have them at the beginning how did you How did you start to put those systems together
1: yeah, you know um that's a great question, and I think one of the things that was uh, unique to our business, of course, is that we came I came out of that manufacturing world, and manufacturing is isn't easy to make money doing. Uh, margins are generally tighter, and the way you make money by manufacturing is by being efficient by eliminating scrap and waste and whatnot and so um, the idea of introducing some repeatable processes. Was sort of uh, inherent in what we had been and what we had done, and so it made sense to to find those process, uh, those standard processes in the sales and marketing world. It just they didn't they didn't just pop into my head though. So it took some time. And generally, look, I'm 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 not shy about saying. I'd rather borrow an idea and make it ours or make it better than, than start from scratch and come up with, you know, a new way of making a wheel, right? Me if there's too. already one out there, let me go. Yeah. Let me go find that and look at it. And so th- I think there was, there's always in our organization been a, a desire to embrace change and not so much ego that we couldn't get over. Uh, I seeing or recognizing a better way, and bringing that into our business. You know, that pride of authorship wasn't so strong because, man, we really didn't know what we were doing anyway, at least when we started out with the the, uh, sales and marketing thing. Once again, we knew how to install. We knew how to build product. uh, But but learning that other stuff and then wanting to find systems that could make us scalable and to uh, make it really easier to control and scale uh, was something that we always coveted. We just didn't always find the answer immediately. So, uh, and we're still looking for them all the time. You know, there's, uh, that's the reason I still come to to your seminars, because we've got a long way to go still. And uh, I get a lot of great ideas by, um, by, by attending events and by talking to even companies that are significantly smaller than ours, because they've got some original ideas sometimes. And that's where I, I pick up. Uh, you know, a, a thought bubble pops into my head, and and then we can expand on that idea it can bring those things back into our company. Uh, there's always something to pick up.
0: Yeah, you can't you can't be a wealthy contractor or um, successful entrepreneur without continuous learning and continuous study and a love of it. As kind of as obvious, you. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. Yeah, you know, a lot of people would say that when you get to Rick's level, he should be the one leading seminars. Um, What does he need to go to a seminar for? But um, boy, one little idea that you get from a seminar could have a pretty dramatic impact on your business and and, and the livelihood of all of the people that work with you.
1: It really can.
0: Yeah, so what is some of your... I mean, do people seek you out now? I'm always curious if, if people are calling you, smaller contractors are calling you like you did back, you know, 15 years ago, you know, when you were looking around for people to help guide you and, and, and show you the right way to do it. Do you get many of those phone calls today? I I get them. They're not
1: not as frequent as the ones from the investment bankers that are trying to buy you, Uh, but but (laughs) we get, uh, you know, I, I I get them. I I'll get uh, people coming up to us when we're at events and uh, uh, asking some questions. I'm always happy to, to share an opinion or a perspective, you know, knowing that our businesses are all a little bit different and you know, there's, there's more than one way to get to the top of the mountain. I think that's another lesson that I kind of, um, learned. In other words, you know, if we've got an objective, there's more than one way that we can achieve that objective. Mm -hmm. But as a group, we got to make a decision as a business, how we're going to do it, which path up to the top of the mountain we're going to take and commit to it. And, and really the, the, the success isn't in picking the right path that can make it easier. Uh, The success is in executing on the plan. And that's where you know, one of one of the important things that I think I learned along the way. You can spend a lot of time trying to find the the perfect path, the perfect way forward, or you know, some some mythical best way. Uh, sometimes there isn't. Sometimes it's just whatever way works for your business and and committing to that. Wow,
0: that's great advice.
1: So, when when um,
0: when or if somebody reaches out to you, and let's say that mm-hmm. they are. They're doing everything in their business. I I run across so many people in this business that are just working way way too hard for way way too little money, and, and the kind of the common denominator there is well if I don't go out and sell or if I don't mm-hmm. go out or if I don't um, go out and uh, supervise or if I'm not the production manager whatever job it is in the business that they're stuck behind. Mm-hmm. that's holding them back from doing what they need to do in order to grow their business. What would be your advice to that person to kind of g- get themselves unstuck from there to let that go and, and move in the direction of uh, being the owner of the, the real owner of the business. Green.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So uh, good question. And a, a couple different things come to mind when you ask it. Um, my first question is, is why? Know your why. Why do you why do you want to grow your business? Why do you want to scale it? What you know? It, it, and and once you have that answer, it'll start to inform the next decisions about what you need to do. Um, if you want to grow the business because you like you're passionate about creating opportunities for, for um, people to come into your business, or you're really passionate about, uh, uh, you know, uh, creating more you know, uh, delightful experiences for customers or something like that. And, and you realize that, you know, as I did, that I can be the impediment to growth. I can be impediment to scale if I can't delegate uh, some of the things that I'm doing. Um, you know, the first thing I'll do is sit down and, you know, make that awareness and then uh, make a list of, what it is, how I spend my day. And I look for the things, you know, the, whatever the majority of what I'm doing every day, if it's if it's something that I can um, package that up and, and delegate that to somebody else, that frees me up to run the business. So I've replaced myself over and over and over again inside of our business. That's what I call it. You yep. know, I'm replacing myself in the things that I'm doing. You know, but delegation is uh, delegation, is super important to, to growth, but it's not abdication you're still responsible for those outcomes. And sometimes, um, you know, I've even made that mistake of getting confused about what that means. And I've given people uh, too much responsibility without putting the metrics in place to make sure that, that the results are there, the outcomes are there. So delegating without, without holding accountable uh, is sort of abdicating your responsibilities. But if you can, if, if you want to scale and you want to grow your business, you know, you, you absolutely have to take the things that that you don't need to be doing and get somebody else in your business and pay them to do those things. Uh, but make sure that the outcomes are right. You know, that's not that doesn't mean micromanage. I don't tell the people that I hire how to do their job, but I tell them what the outcomes need to be and make sure that that's happening. And, um, you know, that's what's worked for us is replacing myself at, uh, at every juncture. I think I learned that from my father. He used to phrase it a little differently. He said, "You got to hire your replacement before we can get before you can get promoted. (laughs) And make sure you get somebody hired and trained to do the job you were doing, and then we can talk about moving you into the next role." Um, So, in my place, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't come out of um, uh, you know, kind of college thinking I'm going to go walk into the family business and be a CEO. Uh, You know, I came into the business as a as a young kid. Uh, trying to sling some windows as as a salesman. And eventually, I had to replace myself in every role and ended up in the position that I'm in. I call myself a reluctant CEO because I didn't really set out to be that or do that. Um, But somebody had to do that job, and right now it's me. And so, you know, when the time comes that I need to replace myself there, I'll do that as well. But, you know, that's the approach that I've taken.
0: Well, and look, it can't be done without it. There's only so much... Mm -hmm. You can do as the business owner wearing all the hats you, you've got to bring on other people, and you know the other side to that to that uh puzzle piece i i if you will is okay, yes, I get it. I need to bring on other people, I need to delegate. How do I pay for that
1: that seems to be the impediment for a lot of people making that leap that's that uh, how do you have the confidence to hire somebody and and pay them when you know, in, in many cases, you don't feel like you're earning the uh, the amount of money that you feel entitled to for the amount of effort that you're putting into the business. It's that's that's that that leap of faith that needs to happen sometimes. So, how do you pay for it? You got to pay for it by making sure that whoever comes into the business produces more for the business than they take from the business. That becomes that accountability piece, and that's you know that's where you know, that's the standard that I've always used. I always you know say to to anybody that comes into our business and particularly when you have to have those harder conversations the business only knows pluses and minus signs it's kind of a really really simple and um uh, elegant uh entity an organism if you will it only knows pluses and minuses so either you're adding to the business or you're taking from the business and every one of us need to take inventory about whether we're doing that and everybody that we've got in our employee you know are they adding to the business every day or are they taking because if they're taking they're a risk to the entire entity
0: yeah now you never you never took on outside money you uh, i believe you grew the business organically right through cash flow correct yes wow
1: yeah in fact that and we uh you know now we're we've even got uh, a commercial window uh sales and marketing company that's part of our our little umbrella of companies and a uh uh, we started another business with uh, uh, with some friends of mine that uh, does home organization systems called Closet America. Kind of a fun little side business that's uh, that's growing fast and and standing on its own feet right now and doing quite well. So, yeah, all through all through cash flow.
0: Nice, nice. So, uh, Rick, um, I'm I'm looking at the clock here, and we're we're running up against it. And um, I, 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 you know, one of the as I was listening to your story you know, a few weeks ago when we talked, I, I was just, I was really amazed at how much you've done in in a really a very short amount of time. I mean, to the person that's listening, in two thousand and one, it's that Rick didn't walk into a business that was all already doing ten million dollars a year, making millions of dollars. He had to go figure this out. Entirely on his own, and I actually didn't even know the piece about i didn't put two and two together, but it makes absolute sense that you had to fire all of your clients that were buying windows <laughs> from you <laughs> and you had to like basically <laughs> out of business then you shut it down and then you restarted it in a in a totally different way so i, I just hope that uh by sharing your story and by sharing um, some of the things that have made you Successful. I hope that we can inspire somebody or a lot of somebodies that are listening. To and and look, you don't have to get to what did you say you guys are going to do this year? Seventy some million dollars. Um, Seventy five. Yeah, you, you don't have to get there to be happy. For some, you know, for all of us, it's a little bit different. And I I uh, I hope again. I hope that we've uh, we've inspired some of you that are listening. Any, any. Oh, let me ask you one last question before we wrap up. What would? Okay, you, sure. Is there anything that, looking back now, back to your younger self, maybe you know, as as the as the business was growing, is there anything that you could have done different or better, or advice that you would give yourself back then, <laughs> based on what you know today?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm glad you asked that question because. You know, i think about that a lot and my goodness the uh the the long long laundry list of things that i have done wrong or <laughs> that i could have done better uh, you know we don't have there's not enough time and tape to uh, to record all of them the big thing though that i think that that i stumbled over over and over and over again was not thinking big enough you know and i don't know whether that makes sense or not but at, at so many junctures, I, I would set a goal for our business, a strategic plan, and it would be, oh, you know, if we if we could just get to five million dollars or ten million dollars or, um, you know, these 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 smaller goals, uh, not really understanding the full potential that our business had. I remember sitting at a at a meeting that I had with my whole executive team, and it was like an executive team of of, of four people because that's all we were at the time, thinking about. When, when, if we ever got to 20 million dollars, you know, we're dreaming as big as I could think in that day. We, we, you know, here's what we need to do. We'll have to expand geography because we'll be totally saturated. And didn't have any data to support any of these assumptions that I was making, you know, but it was, and and it was just not thinking big enough at at so many different places. And I think we would have gotten there faster. And I think we would have set up more efficiently if we had, uh, if I had really imagined our possibilities in a larger sense back then. And so my advice is, yes, think, think a little bigger than you are. Michelangelo, I believe is the one that said the greater failure in life is not to, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here to, uh, to aim high and uh, hit your mark, but it's to uh, not aim high enough and miss it. You know? So it's thinking bigger. That um, is what I would tell people.
0: That's awesome. Well, Thinking big has uh, thinking big. I, I'm sure you don't make that mistake anymore. So <laughs> you, I think well, now last, I dream big. I don't think our people,
1: people like it that much. Right. You're one of
0: the last people I think that I could accuse of that, <laughs> but Hey Rick, thank you so much. This has been, this has been awesome. I, uh, I appreciate you making the time and, and coming on and doing this. And for those of you that are listening, um, you do see Rick running around at these events, and if you see him, sorry, Rick, um, <laughs> tell them to stop. Say <laughs> hi and um, ask him a couple of questions because this is a guy that I mean, really, you had a little bit of a foundation, but boy, you really had to figure this thing out on your own. And and what a great story! And I wish you, you know, nothing but continued success. I think that's it. This that's that's a wrap on on this episode thanks again rick appreciate you being here
1: no it's fun glad to be here and uh yeah absolutely i'd be glad to help anybody i got a lot of help along the way and uh, i love paying it forward so you know cool. i'm not sure how much i can do but uh, be glad to answer any questions
0: yeah cool all right everybody all right. so uh this is another episode of the wealthy contractor the podcast this is brian caskavalsian with g4 marketing group and until next time All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. The Wealthy Contractor podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com or just call us at 305 305- eight five six eight seven eight eight to schedule your free no obligation wealthy contractor strategy session now during the strategy session we're gonna look at eight key performance factors in your business and we're gonna help you uncover opportunities for growth for leads for sales and for profit and finally We started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, The Wealthy Contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay. It's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing